Well, yesterday, we had our first wedding in the C3 Centre. It was such good fun. There was a great wedding here and then a barn dance in the evening. Maybe some of them are still going for that now. Um, and it was with Chris and Charlie New, those of you that know them. Charlie works for Watoto. And uh, there were some guests that were from Watoto, from the staff at Watoto, and we, we had a chat to them. And we got permission, which isn't happening anywhere else, only here, that when they are with us on that June 11th, 12th date, that on the Sunday, they'll do two in the morning. And normally they'll only do two concerts, but they're going to do a third one in the evening for us. So although your, your card here says 9.30, 11.30, as well as the Saturday night. They're actually going to do four over the weekend. So that's Saturday night, two on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night. And we want to pack this place out. Because we love Watoto, don't we? Good. And we want to see it fall on that date. So put it in your diaries. On the Queen's birthday, we've got Watoto here with us. So today we're starting this new series, God Tweets. You should have got that outline note here in your notes and we're going to look at this subject from the book of Proverbs. In 2006, Twitter took the social media world by storm. A sea of one-liners appeared as everyone from movie stars to athletes to teenagers to parents of teenagers even realized that they could communicate something in less than 140 characters. And it went viral, as they say. We look back now and we think, what a great idea Twitter was and is. But the reality is, God thought of that a lot earlier than Twitter. And we have the book of Proverbs, which was the social media of the day, where God initiated through wise men and women some Proverbs. And if you read the book of Proverbs, a lot of them are less than 140 characters in length. They are these short, sweet, wise nuggets of wisdom, of practical know-how, how to live. And we want to just encourage you as, as we start this series. Some of you, you never use social media. But maybe you should think about it. And maybe you should consider over this series getting involved in some form of social media platform. Now, I know Twitter, some say, is a little uh, past now. And so it's Instagram or something else. What else do you guys use? Tumblr or some of these other ones. But we just want to encourage you all. Why not get involved in Twitter? Not in order to air your opinions. We're not interested in that. But for you to promote positively stuff that's going on here at C3. You know, some churches have a social media policy of don't put anything on there that your mum wouldn't like to see. Well, don't put anything on there that God wouldn't like to see because he sees everything. But maybe you could get involved and, and, and get a, a going in Twitter world. And we're going to give, at the end of this series, a prize for one of three things. One is the most retweeted tweet, two is the most liked, and three is the most profound, and I'll decide what the most profound one is. So, you might, now you I don't even know how to use it. Then, with parents' permission, 
Find a child anywhere between the age of 8 and 12, probably, and they'll help you set up Twitter, and we can get it out there. You have to use the hashtag, which is hashtag GodTweetsSeries. So GodTweetsSeries, I think there it is in larger letters for you. So if you're going to put any message out there on Twitter, you, I mean, use other social media formats as well. But particularly Twitter, we would love to just... It's free in that sense for us to get it out there. So we want to encourage you to do that. So let's begin straight away with this God Tweets Wisdom from Proverbs series. Here's a question for all of you smart people out there. I need mass response. You all need to respond to this. This is mass confession time. You ready? How many of you, the way to respond is to raise your hand, by the way. How many of you have ever done anything stupid? Now, those of you that haven't raised your hands, you just have, because I'd like you to come out here and tell us how you've lived this long without doing something stupid. Because the reality is, we have all done something stupid. Let's soften it a little. What about this one? How many of you know somebody who's got a really high IQ, they may even have a degree from some of the best, or two, or three, from some of the best universities in the world, so they're, they're very intelligent, but you know when it comes to handling life, anger, or navigating relationships, or governing impulses, or managing finances, or sexuality, or even just choosing words carefully, how many of you have ever known a really smart person to do something really dumb? All of us. In other words, you can be really clever, but not wise. Did you hear that? You can be super intelligent. And when we look at the book of Proverbs, it's not about intelligence. It's about wisdom, which puts legs on knowledge. There's a joke that's been around for years. There was an airplane one time with uh, three people in it. A pilot, a boy scout, and the smartest man in the world. The man who had the highest IQ globally. And they got on this plane, and the problem was, on this plane, although there was three of them, there was only two parachutes. And as they're going along, the plane starts to dive and loses control. And the smartest man in the world says, I'm sorry, but I'm the smartest man in the world. This world needs me. I've got to take a parachute. And he jumps out of the plane with a parachute. So it leaves the pilot and the young boy scout. And the pilot says to the boy scout, you know, I've lived a good life. I've enjoyed travel. I've got a good job. I'm, I'm, I'm advanced in years. He said, you take the other parachute and jump out. And the Boy Scout said, don't worry, Captain, no problem. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my rucksack. <laughs> and there are a lot of people all over the world who are jumping out of aeroplanes. They think they're smart, but it was with a rucksack. Here's another joke. This has been around for a while as well. You may have heard it. This is about Adam having an imaginary conversation with God one day. God's walking with Adam, and Adam says to him, I thank you for the gift of Eve. She's a real gift to me. I, I appreciate her. But I've got a few questions about her, God. I wouldn't mind asking, 
Why did you make her so beautiful? And God said, well, so you always want to look at her. And Adam said to the Lord, but why did you make her skin so soft? And God said, well, so you'd always want to touch her. And Adam said to God, well, why did you make her smell so good? And God said, well, so you always want to be near her. And Adam said, well, that's wonderful, Lord. That's really wonderful. But why did you, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but why did you make her so stupid? And God said, so she would love you. <laughs> the point is this. We are all on the same level. Whatever your academic background, we need wisdom. And the focus of our next six-week study, today is an introduction to this study, but the focus of our next, and thank you for those that are, are tweeting, by the way, it's coming off on my iPad even as I speak, which is a real, a real distraction, so thank you. But we need wisdom for living, and the book of Proverbs will help us in that. The main author of the book of Proverbs is Solomon. It's in the first verse here in your notes, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David. He's not the only author. There are others that are mentioned as we go through, but mainly they're written by Solomon. Over 500 of them are written by Solomon. Solomon ascended to the throne under some kind of shady circumstances. His father had had a relationship with Bathsheba. They lost the first child, and then they married, and they had Solomon. And 1 Kings 3 tells us, that there was an event in Solomon's life where he looked at the job that he had to do, that was to rule over Israel. He saw how many people there were and he was, he was intimidated by the situation. And he makes a request or God has a conversation with him and God says to him, ask me for anything. What would you like? And Solomon says, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me wisdom? And God was so pleased with Solomon's request that he said, yes, I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you wealth and honor that go alongside. And he became a very wealthy man so that others around the world traveled to see his wealth. He was a wise man. And there's a story at the beginning of his reign, which is found in the book of Kings, of two prostitutes that had had children. And in the house where they lived, they lived in the same house. One night, one of the ladies, she rolled over onto her child and she suffocated him. He died. And so she replaced her child, the dead one, with a live one from another woman that was in the same house. And when the woman woke up the next morning whose child had been swapped and, and the baby was dead, she realized, this isn't my baby. That woman swapped the children. So they come before Solomon, and this is the, as the account goes, that Solomon looked at them, and he didn't know how to decide which was the real mother. One saying, it's not my baby. The other one says, it is my baby. She swapped my, the, my baby for the dead baby. And Solomon says, bring a sword. And he says, well, cut the baby in two so as that the mothers can have half each. And of course, the real mother was horrified at the thought of her baby being killed and says, no, 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 let her have it. She'd rather the baby live, even though he wasn't with her, and go with the mother who wasn't the real mother of the child. And it says from that moment on, the wisdom of Solomon, ever heard that phrase? Became renowned in the land. 
everyone knew that he had gained wisdom. Billy Graham, who I know not all of you have heard of. How many of you have heard of Billy Graham? It's about the same in the first service. He was, he was and is the foremost evangelist of the 20th century, where through modern technology he was then, he communicated the gospel. And more people have come to faith through the work, the work of, of Billy Graham as an evangelist, to think through, through, through his ministry, than any other evangelist that's ever lived in history. And he has this habit, he's been interviewed many ways, if you, many times, if you saw him, he's such a wise man. But a habit of his is that he reads through the book of Psalms every month and he reads one proverb every single day. And that's where he gets his wisdom from. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And he reads one every day. That means if you start to read the book of Proverbs now, what is it, May 8th, in one month's time, you'll have read the whole of the book of Proverbs. Slowly and thoughtfully. And the wisdom that you would imbibe from that would make a huge difference to the way you live. And I'd like to suggest that, even as we go through this series, today is the introduction. Read one of those chapters in the book of Proverbs slowly every single day. Wisdom from Solomon. Let's read the first few verses. This is Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 9, which tells us the root of wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Another psalm says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Let's read verse 7 again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The place to start with wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, I had a choice when I read that. I thought, I can soften the aspect of fear because we don't like to use that word and say, of course, fear means awe and wonder. And it does. But it doesn't just mean that. Fear means a healthy scourd. And I'd like to suggest to you that we need a healthy scourd about God. Some of us are more scared of the policeman that comes behind us in the car. And we all, what's the first thing you do when you see a policeman come behind you in your mirror? What do you do? You look at your speed and you take your foot off the accelerator because you're frightened that you should be, that if you're over the limit, 
he's going to spot you or she's going to spot you and you're going to be pulled over, you're going to have a fine, you're going to have points on your license and if it was me, I'd have to confess it again and the shame of it would kill me. So I, 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 I have this healthy fear. Some of us are more afraid of that because they're present than an awareness of God. In the next proverb, in, in Proverbs chapter 2, it talks about fear of the Lord stopping us from sinning. See, any healthy family, parent-to-child relationship has some element of fear. Not a cowering fear, but a respectful fear. Good parenting, and by the way, Proverbs is full of wisdom for good parenting, includes discipline. Discipline is a good word. Enjoy the word. And discipline means we say to our children, don't we? Don't go there because it will harm you. There are parameters. There are lines which you mustn't cross over. And we're not saying to them, don't cross over that line because we hate you. We're saying, don't cross over that line because we love you. And they, in return, especially as they get older, they begin to realize they said that they restricted me because they love me. And by the way, any restriction that God puts upon us in life, it's never to harm us. It's always to do us good. Do I hear an amen? It's always for your benefit. The boundaries, the, the edges, they don't go over there. Show us God loves us. Hebrews tells us the Lord disciplines those he loves. And some parents, maybe within the sound of my voice, but we see it all the time, have forgotten the art of discipline and there is a lack of right relationship between the child. And, but there needs to be a healthy fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is not a bad fear. It should be the primary controlling principle. And wisdom in the book of Proverbs is a gift from God to us to show us some healthy parameters, some ways of living that should produce in us wisdom for living. And the wisest way to live is to have a fear of God. The Bible says this, Proverbs say this, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That means you can be really intelligent, but a fool. Whereas wisdom puts legs on knowledge and works stuff out in life. And God says he'll give it to us as a gift. So we gain this gift through fearing the Lord. We had a, a young lady, one of our worship team was round at a, a meal that, uh, this week. Lily, don't, don't think she's in the room. But Lily, was say, we said to her, you had a good day today, Lily. And she said, I'm not going to try and do her Irish accent, which is beautiful, but I can't do it. She says, yeah, it was a great day. There was no one doing observations. Now, she's doing a PGCE at the moment in teaching. And what she meant was there was no one at the back of the class assessing her so she could do what she liked, <laughs> which we hope was good. But the observations are there, she knows this, for her good to help her grow in her craft of teaching. <laughs> There's a teacher on the front row that's laughing. They're there to help them and to do them good if they're doing their job right. And we are observed by God. We're never out of his sight. So we should have a healthy fear of him because he holds the keys to life and death. Listen to this from Luke chapter 12. Jesus' words. I tell you, my friends, 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Someone once said to me, do you want people to come to faith because they fear hell? How can I say this? Yes. But I also want them to pursue a heaven. For God who loves and knows them. Fear of the Lord. Now what I want to do in the next few minutes is help you to have some keys to unpacking Proverbs over these next few weeks. So when you, if you're going to read them once a day, you can look through these filters that I'm going to give you that will help you to understand them. The first thing I want to say is please know that these are, that there are exceptions to the rules. And Proverbs aren't rules, they are how life generally works. There are exceptions. And that will help you as you read it. So when you read something, you think, oh, but, but that, I know an exception to that. There will always be exceptions. But we don't live by the exceptions, we live by the rules. Essentially, in the Bible, there are, and there are more than this, but just to make it simple, there are three kinds of statements we need to understand. The first is a promise or a law rather. So a law would be this. I'm going to speak on this tonight briefly at our worship events. This would be a law, Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That never changes. That's a law. Live like that and that's the way God commands it. No options, no half-heartedness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's a law. Then there are promises. A promise might be something like this. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's great news. That's a promise. It doesn't matter how far you go. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how far you run away. It doesn't matter if you spit in the face of God, as some of us have probably foolishly done at times. God will never stop loving you. So that's a great promise. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So there are laws, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. There are promises, but then there are proverbs. And proverbs are different. Proverbs are basically saying this is the general rule and it may be that there are exceptions. They're catchy descriptions of the way things generally are. So here's an example. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread. That's a general rule. Work hard and you'll, you'll be all right. True? How many of you know some people who are hardworking, but for no fault of their own, they lost their job and they're struggling to make ends meet? We all do. So there are exceptions. And so you can get all, uh, I can't say that word, uh, arsy, I've said it, with God be thinking, hey, God, I've been working hard and, and times are hard and you can go with the powers. It's a general rule. Keep looking for the work. And when you find it, you leave. But there may be exceptions to the certain rules. Another one, Proverbs 28, 19 says this, same idea. Work your garden and you'll end up with plenty of food. Play and party and you'll end up with an empty place. How many of you, like me, know some people, they've played and partied all their life, but through some kind of windfall or winning the lottery, 
There are those who can only be described as lazy slobs who've won the lottery and suddenly they've got it all. And you can look and say, well, why don't I? I've never won the lottery. One reason I've never won the lottery is I never do it, but that's, that's one point. But there are exceptions, but we can't go by the exceptions. We follow what is the general rule, which is if you work hard, Another example there would be a farmer. You know, sometimes farmers work very hard. But in times of drought, there have been some farmers that have lost as much as those that have worked hard and diligently as those that haven't. There are exceptions, and that helps us in the filter of the way we read the book of Proverbs. The other thing that Proverbs does, part two here, is they are designed to help us think. You have to think. Now... There are a lot of Christians that just don't think. And they swallow stuff. And you think, why didn't you just think about that? Why didn't you think about the theology of the church you're joining? <laughs> we have a, a, a growth track here, which is on a Sunday lunchtime. We do that because we want people to know what we believe. I won't just join any church. I'll join a church that I feel they believe stuff that I believe. They don't think enough. So I, uh, uh, this has happened to me in the office on occasion. Sometimes I will push my chair back, I'll put my feet on the desk, and I'll put my hands behind my head, and I'll just think. But when there's a knock on the door, I have this guilt, and I'm thinking, what should I do now? And I've, I've done this, I've got to be honest. Someone's knocked on the door, so before I say come in, I get my Bible out, open it, and put it on the table in front of me, sit my chair up and sit up straight. Because I want them to think that I'm working hard and really spiritual. And then one day I thought, I'm not going to do that again. So when someone knocked on the door, I stayed in the thinking position. Hands behind my head, feet on the desk. And the lady came in, and knocked, came in, came in, and I saw her look at me, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm thinking. And I could see her thinking, so you're getting paid for thinking. Absolutely. I wish more pastors had done a bit more of that, actually. We won't go into that. I'm thinking. I'm just thinking. It's part of what we're meant to do. And the Proverbs force us to think. Listen to this one. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. What on earth does that mean? Finish your outdoor work, get your fields ready, and after that, build your house. Well, remember, we have to read in context. It was a, a, an agrarian, an agricultural kind of uh, setting, mainly the Proverbs are written in. And their idea there is, if they don't work outside like farming, they won't survive. This is life and death. This is income producing. So house building or titifying the house was income draining and spending on comfort if they didn't first make sure their fields and flock were in order. So the idea is, work hard before you look at other pleasures. Before you start to look at building your panelled house, work hard. It's just, you have to think about it to get inside of what does that mean. Another proverb talks about counting your flocks. Now, not many of us, apart from Chris and Ann Webster, have a flock. Maybe others I don't know. 
What does it mean? Count your flocks. It means look at the money you've got, see what your income is, and live accordingly. How's that for wisdom for life in the 21st century? And Proverbs is full of pithy little statements like that. Now, we have to put them in context, and some of them appear to contradict one another. So when you're reading through, don't think, well, that one contradicts it, because each one is addressing a particular context or reality. So Proverbs can sound contradictory, but each proverb addresses one limited segment of reality. Now, we have this in our English language. That they're different, but here's, here's some examples. How many of us know this one? Look before you... You know that one? It's not in the Bible. Look before you leap. One time, and my parents, they have a big fence at the back of their garden. It's over seven foot tall. When I was a youngster, one time I jumped over that fence without looking. And when I jumped onto the other side, there were these canes, you know, holding up plants. And I jumped on one of those canes and it went right up my groin. Ow. In fact, even now, I'm thinking about it. Now, the problem was, I didn't know what to do. This cane stuck up my groin, and it was about this long. So I, I, I walked home to my mom. Also, home wasn't far, thankfully, and she pulled it out. If I'd have just looked before I leaped or leapt, it made a difference. Now, here's another proverb that we know. However, he who hesitates is lost. He who hesitates is lost. When I first bought a bike or bought pedals that had these shoes that you clip in, you know, so you're attached to the bike until you clip out. I was cycling along and I got to some traffic lights and I wasn't used to these pedals. And the traffic lights were changing just to, to uh, red. And for a moment I thought, what should I do? Should I stop or go forwards? So I decided I'm going to go, but then I hesitated and, and I stopped rather suddenly and I was at these traffic lights and I just went, bang, fell over. Now you know what you do when that happens, I'm still strapped into my bike, I got out and jumped up as if I, was, I meant to do that. I always do that at traffic lights, that's the way I stop, you know. I fell right over and, and hurt myself, looking around, we're all embarrassed. I hesitated and because I hesitated for a moment, I lost. Bit of pride. What about this one? Opposites attract. Birds of a feather flock together. Both are true. It just depends on the context. And it depends on that reality. Or it could depend on your uh, personality. So how, how many of you, you are more leapers rather than you are look lookers. So you, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? But you know, look before you leap. You, you, you tend to be someone who leaps into it rather than looking. Anybody like that? Then you need to adopt that in life, make sure I look before I leap. How many of you the other way though, that you hesitate more than step into things? Then you maybe need to, some of you don't want to, you, you, you need more time to think about that. <laughs> You don't want to respond, but we're all different, so we have to apply according to the reality of our context. Fourthly, this, and I, I wish we could find, in fact, Twitter could help us with this. 
When I was a child growing up, we used to do scripture exams every year. And part of the scripture exams was memorization of Bible verses. And in the New Testament, it tells us that the Holy Spirit in us will help bring truth to our memory. If it's not in your memory, you can't bring it back. <laughs> Hello? You've got to have it there first. And so lots of people say, the Holy Spirit will guide me. Well, maybe you need to do a little bit of work and the Holy Spirit will help you. And maybe one way you could help is by learning scriptures. And some of these proverbs, if you would learn them, they'll help you in life. My dad drilled this one into me. He says, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's a proverb. A soft, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That has helped me in so many circumstances. And some people think I've been quick, but if you knew how many times I've recited that verse in my head first, before I've said something, it's helped me in life. And so I'd like to suggest to you, learn some of the Proverbs. Now, we think we know some of them. But I'm going to do a little test and we're going to draw in with this. This year is the 400th year since the death of... William Shakespeare. He died in 1616. Which means he was alive at the same time when the King James Version, which was the, a, a really important translation of the Bible for the common man, he was alive at the same time. Some people believe that Shakespeare was involved in helping to write the authorized version. It's twaddle, but some people have said it. If you look in Psalm 46, and you look in the 46th word, it's shake. And if you go backwards from the end, 46, then it's spear. And someone suggested, it's academically spurious, that he was just putting his name in there because he was involved. He wasn't, but he was around at the same time. And there are sayings that we have today that are part of Shakespearean language that were also maybe in the King James Version or not. I'm going to say some, and you can shout them out, come on, you can all shout in a minute, some, some sayings out, and you can keep a note of how many you get right. The highest in 9.30 celebration was 9 out of 10, and see whether of these you can know which is Bible or Bard. I copied that from the internet. <laughs> Bible or Bard. Here we go. Is this in the Bible or is it Bard? A man after his own heart, his own heart. Bible, correct. Anybody know where? No, <laughs> at least you're honest, thank you. Next one, it tells you where it is. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. What about this next one? Give up the ghost. Bard? It's in the Bible. It's Job chapter three, verse 11. What about this one? I must be cruel only to be kind. Bible or Bard? I've got two here. Bard. Anybody know where? Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 4. As if I knew that. Number four. Cast thy bread upon the water. Bible or Bard? Bible. Anybody know where? Ecclesiastes 11, verse 3. I've got them all in front of me. What about this one? There's 10 of these. Number five, holier than thou. Bible or Bard? 
Could be a trick. Bible or Bard? Bard and Bible. We've got, it's Bible. All right, it's Isaiah 65, verse 5. Well, this one. Skin of his teeth. Bible? Where in the Bible? Where in the Bible? Next one, I'll show you where it is. Job 19, verse 20, it is. What's this one? A law unto themselves. Bible, correct. In the Bible, where is it? Romans 2, 14. What about this one? Eight, a ministering angel. Hello? Bible? Wrong. It's in Hamlet, Act 5, Scene 1. It's not mentioned in the Bible. What about this one, number nine? The land of Nod. Bible. Hey, you all know that one. Genesis, chapter 4, verse 16. Last one. Neither a borrower or a lender be. Bible or Bard? <laughs> Act 1, scene 1 out of Hamlet. Scene 3, rather. Now, what I want to point out is not just that we know which is Bible or Bard, maybe we didn't. But even when we knew it was Bible, we didn't know where it was. And so I would suggest this to you, that we need to learn not only the Scriptures, but where they are. And to be able to go to them because you remember them, but sometimes just showing someone, when you're with them, especially when you've got your phone with you, and you can say, look at this. There are some, I don't want to laud them saying they're the right way to do it, but they do for a reason. There are some sects that can take you when they meet you on the street and show you immediately. And somehow, and we shouldn't be like this, but somehow when you see it in black and white, you think, oh, that carries an authority. We need to know the Proverbs. They'll help us. Musicians, come back, and I'll finish with this. Not only do we need to know them, and they'll help us by knowing them, but living them, living them, which is actually more important than quoting them, but if you can do both, great. Creates a culture around us. You know, the book of Proverbs speaks about how we're to handle children, how husbands and wives are to relate. There are even verses that tell us about how to handle animals. I mean, a bit of sad news, those you don't know. Our rabbit died two weeks ago. Come on. I don't want to offend anyone here, but we're glad. <laughs> we're just glad. It's been a pain in the neck every morning going out and feeding. It was supposed to be our daughters, and guess who ended up going out every morning in the cold to feed it? You're right, Ange, my wife. Every single day, bless her. So it died. It was. It lived a. It's gone to the bunny heaven in the sky, if there was such a place. But one thing I could never be, and, and you say this is human nature, it is, but it's how we're made in the image and likeness of God. And wisdom unpacks some of that in Proverbs. It even tells us I could never be cruel to that animal as a living creature. That's why I sent my wife out every morning to feed it. So, so there was, I didn't, she didn't know she would kill me for that one afterwards. 
it was, we, do, we have to treat it with respect. And the Bible tells us we treat the elderly in our society awfully. Proverbs, in fact, Proverbs is the older man talking to the younger man all the way through. And wisdom is often personified as, as lady wisdom. So is, so is lady folly as well. It's, it's feminized in that way. But it's so important for us to embrace wisdom in life. And people don't know how to treat the elderly. Well, go to the book of Proverbs. We are an intergenerational church, multi-generational. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, there may be different roles and different energy levels, but we need one another, and we treat one another with a dignity and respect because that's what life is meant to be. And Proverbs gives us some instruction, and maybe the, one of the reasons it's there is because we are so stupid and we can get it wrong and we can get all either nostalgic, which the Bible speaks against, or, or try and be trendy. And we don't have to be trendy. We just have to say the Bible works in any season and stage of life. It's good news. That's why Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. And this kingdom culture can be outworked in the way we treat our children. And others will look on and say, where did you get that from? And we can say, hey, ancient wisdom for today. Go on, you can tweet that. Ancient wisdom for today. That's the book of Proverbs. Turn to the person next to you and say, I feel wiser already. Come on, let's stand and sing a song. That's the wise thing to do.